Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Welcome back for another weekend here the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. We've got a very special guest joining us for uh, both hours today. His name is Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week. And uh, if you're a fan of the show, you've heard Alex before as our special guest, and we are happy to have him for all uh, two hours of the show. Lots of good stuff, too. And, uh, Brad, we also have Patrick Meyer uh, talking about word of mouth. A lot of people talk about word of mouth, but uh, uh, he defines it a little bit for us. Jonathan Margolis will be joining us uh, on publicity stunts, such as probably dropping turkeys from a helicopter or something like that. Hmm. Only a few of our audience would know that, right? Jeffrey Gittimer is with us. uh, Try to find out who your best customers are, and and he'll tell us why. Also, uh, Andy Borowitz, The Wacky World of Marketing. And a little bit later on this hour, our uh, advertising uh, showcase. That would be the... Not the advertising showcase, but the advertising showcase. Right. So, a bunch of stuff. What's going on with you? Well, you know, I'm I'm really uh, excited today, as I know you are as well, about having Alex on the show because usually we only have him on for a ten minute segment, and it's a, once a month or so, and we've got a lot of catching up to do because uh, Alex hadn't been on the program in a few months, mm-hmm. and you know, as is always the case when you have a great guest like Alex. In the past, ten minutes never was long enough, and right. we'll see if uh, a couple a uh, couple hours uh, our, our interview segment featured it for the next two hours will be enough. And if it is, mm-hmm. we'll know how much in the future to book for Alex, huh? And here, I thought you were excited about the fact that Marshall Fields is uh, about to debut the world of J Lo. I thought. Well, let's hear more about that. You think so? The, the, mm. I thought. Well, you know, maybe your wife would like that. I don't know. <laughs> Retailer's flagship Chicago store opens a store within a store concept featuring only items from J Lo by Jennifer Lopez brand. The uh, pop stars line includes sportswear, jewelry, handbags, and fragrances. You see everything for Laura. So you'll want to stop by yeah. there uh, and pick up some uh, J Lo stuff. It's right in a little kiosk there, I guess. Have you know, bigger than uh, kiosk though, wouldn't? It? Of course, the, these musicians nowadays, the, you can't make a, a, a buck uh, just on the music. you got to you know, extend your brand, and they do a good job. I was watching something on, uh, who was it? Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm going to say it's Nelly. Nelly's got all kinds of things going beyond his, his music. I saw that the other day on television. I think it was CNN doing a feature. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the record industry has struggled lately, and I guess that's both on the... Uh, artist side as well as the industry itself so in order to make your you know, typical 20 30 million a year which is what it takes nowadays to you know keep your lifestyle up to date as if you're a, a music uh, star yeah. you got to have these extensions i see extensions like, like, like go ahead well i was just gonna say like yeah, i think uh, nally they were mentioning that he has uh, he has a fragrance out and he has hmm. a watch line he has uh, various uh, other fashion accessories so you and I wouldn't know that. No. Because, you know, we're Timex and uh, Jade East or English Leather, right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just picked up some Jade East today. Thank you very much. <laughs> At, uh, you know, talking about the music industry, um, you know, Starbucks has gotten into the music business, uh, and that might sound yeah. like a weird thing to do, but actually it's a very smart thing to do. Yeah. One record CDs, company, right? yeah, CDs, one record company president says he consults with Starbucks to see 
if the coffee chain is willing to partner with him on a new artist. A music executive paying more attention to Starbucks following its success-selling albums from Ray Charles and Alanis Morissette, among others. Mm-hmm. And I saw that Alanis Morissette CD in the um, in the Starbucks as well. thought it was rather interesting because it wasn't a new CD. It was just a compilation of her hits. And I thought that was kind of a... A weird thing to uh, to throw into Starbucks, but I, I guess whatever works works. Well, you know, um, when you walk into a Starbucks, the brand is all about the smell, the sound, the, the whole yes. nine yards there, and uh, it's a great idea. These, these retail channels uh, have changed over the past several years, and you know, when uh, when when uh, channels such as uh, distribution channels such as Walmart all of a sudden become prized because of their size uh, and magnitude and, and potential impact. And, and when you think about it, think in terms of the number of people in and out of a Starbucks. They've got the music playing. They usually set the uh, mm-hmm. the CD of whoever they're featuring right there so you can see it as you walk in. And uh, my goodness, a great great opportunity to increase your, your potential reach with a, a potential customer through all that uh, traffic there at Starbucks. And they're there what? Uh, you know, depending on how long the line is, five minutes, right. a few minutes. In and yeah, out. but it's a pleasurable wait because you've got all the, the, uh, the right. you know, the senses, Sights the senses sounds. going as well. So yeah. that's. I was in a uh, earlier today in uh, uh, in a Ross um, and uh, also in an Old Navy, and those are two mm-hmm. totally opposite type stores. Mm-hmm. Ross is crowded, cluttered, messy, mm-hmm. uh, hot. You would think that you would want to cool your customers down and let them shop instead of making <laughs> yeah. them hot. So I went, I went next door to uh, to uh, Old Navy, and mm-hmm. they've got great music playing. It's cold in there. It feels good, and the prices are not that much different. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I'm not sure. I don't get. I don't get the. Uh, I don't get why uh, how some of these stores don't get the fact that they're driving people away. Sure, there were people buying stuff there, but my lord, was it a mess. Well, you know, <laughs> sorry, there, Ross. Yeah, the slogan is Ross for less, and you dress for less, less exactly when you get in there. Yeah, yeah, you have to pick up the clothes off the floor before you get them. Let's uh, before we uh, move along here and uh, tell you more about uh, Alex Benblock. Let's uh, check in with Patrick Meyer now on the advertising show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Everyone's heard about the book, The Tipping Point. But let me just tell you, it's catapulted way beyond the tipping point. I call it word of mouth on steroids. Let me share with you a quote from a consumer that reflects what happens when you add the Internet, cell phones, and text messages to the tipping point phenomenon. This is a quote from a person in their 20s and very passionate. He described it as, whack service, whack product, feel the flames. I went to this new restaurant. The food was just okay, but the service sucked, and everyone had this attitude. So when I get home, I created my own restaurant review. I sent it to 60 of my friends. That's their tip. So what you just heard is a whole new form of word of mouth. Empowered, immediately responding with email out to 60 friends. That probably echoes within 24 hours to another 100 people. And that restaurant has no idea that they've just lost a lot of business. What you need to understand is it's a whole different form of word of mouth. It's driven by cell phone, text messaging, email, at a whole different level. And it moves incredibly fast. The implication for you and what you do every day? Think about what the mythology is for your brand or your product. Make sure you have a story that they can tell. Second, make sure you feed it. Do you have episodes across the year, things that are little bits that are positive that people can buzz about? Third, help them. If they're going to send things around, give them little video clips, give them little JPEGs, downloads, music tracks, whatever. 
And then last, make sure you're constantly having a dialogue with your consumer. Because if negative word of mouth is building underneath and you don't know it, then you've got a problem. So word of mouth on steroids can be your best asset or your biggest threat. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now. And remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. On the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, just about to uh, hook up with uh, Alex Ben Block, editor of uh, Television Week. And uh, if, if you haven't heard about Alex before, well, you should, okay? A trade newspaper uh, based in uh, uh, Television Week is a trade newspaper based in L.A., owned by Crane Communications, which also publishes Advertising Age. Uh, in addition to being an editor, he writes a weekly column about personalities, trends, and news in broadcast, satellite, and cable TV. Uh, Block is also a regular panelist for Call Sheet, an independent uh, look at entertainment business, which is heard weekly on NPR, the uh, the KPCC-FM affiliate in Southern California. Also, previously, Alex was editor and the Hollywood reporter for seven years, longer than anybody else has ever held that title. That was his desk, and you're not taking it away from me. <laughs> He's also been the associate editor of Forbes, uh, city editor of the L.A. Herald-Examiner, columnist for the Detroit News, and a movie critic and entertainment editor out of the Miami News. Man, Alex owns a has a trailer hitch on his car. Uh, for he moves frequently. No, he's been settled in L.A. for quite a long time now. And also author of the uh, critically acclaimed book, Outfoxed, the inside story of America's fourth television network and the global bestseller, The Legend of Bruce Lee. So a lot of good stuff to talk to uh, talk to Alex about today. And I'm sure you have uh, loads of questions for him as well. You know, have you, uh, I don't know if you have, Ray, but if you've ever visited Hollywood Reporter since you mentioned that Alex used to work there, i got to tell you, it is the absolute worst website I have ever visited because they, really? yeah, they, you know, there's a few out there that are in that particular category, media, uh, entertainment, et cetera. There's a few, Hollywood Reporter being one of them that I recall, where you log on or you click through if you see a, an article, and when you, what you get is you get about, a paragraph or less, and then they want you to subscribe. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, and, and you know, in today's world, 2005, uh, providing content and, and not charging for it uh, really seems to be the trend, and, mm-hmm. and figuring out a different revenue model other than just premium uh, subscription uh, rates and so forth for users, uh, the, you know, that's where the market's going, and I don't know why Hollywood Reporter and a few others out there still doing it. Yeah, broadcasting cable is another one I, I believe that does the same. They're thing. asking but for a fee or to yeah, to they want you to subscribe and the annual fee uh, to be able to access the stories. And so, when, what happens Stupid. whenever I see uh, Hollywood Reporter as a link, I don't go there. Yeah. So as a result, their traffic, uh, whatever traffic they do have, I'm sure they have. You know, I don't know what their subscription numbers are, but whatever traffic they do have, they're not getting the benefit of all the potential traffic. And maybe you know, isn't it isn't it advertising supported? websites where the world's going nowadays? I well, mean, sure it is. You know, CNN finally woke up as well with respect to that. A long time ago, you right. used to have to get a CNN news pass or mm-hmm. whatever stupid thing that was. And I didn't do that. I'm not going to pay somebody to, to hook up with the news. But now, now they don't have that anymore. And they right. also, but what they're doing, for instance, right now they're running a Hummer uh, campaign for the mm-hmm. new H3, and you'll get a, uh, you'll get a, uh, uh, probably a 30 second or a 15 second, well, I guess it's a 30 at the beginning of the right. uh, thing and uh, also one at the end as well. So they'll right. probably pay less for the one at the end. And you have the option to skip the ad. New York Times does that. You skip the ad in the beginning if you like. But the beauty of that is is if you're interested in whatever it is that's showing for the first few seconds, then you sit there and you watch it. 
Yeah, what's 30 yeah. seconds? I mean, come on. Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting that CNN isn't doing that anymore. There are a couple of uh, uh, Houston area uh, stations that I still believe are still requiring you to sign up for or register for, which I think is really stupid. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. guys. Get smart. You mm-hmm. can you can do much better by, uh, you know, throwing in some paid ads or whatever you wanted to do as opposed to making me sign up for something. I choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Alex Ben Block on the way, editor of Television Week. We've got him for the whole two hours, and we will uh, look forward to conversing with Alex. Uh, also, a little bit later on this hour, we've got um, Jeffrey Gittimer talking about your best customers and advertising features coming up, too, on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. From San Francisco comes... Rice-a-roni, the San Francisco treat. Rice-a-roni, the flavor can't be beat. One pan of boiling cooking ease. The flavor of that is sure to... Right about now with our afternoon tea, we have rice-a-roni. Mmm... Mm. Not uh, thank you, but no thank you. Not a big fan of that. Uh, we are a big fan of Alex Ben Block, though, uh, editor of uh, Television Week magazine. And uh, Alex, it is so good to have you back here on the advertising show. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your weekend to take part. In. Well, thank you, Ray and Brad. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, Alex. You know, this is a shorter segment. We've got all kinds of things we're going to be able to tap your wonderful, uh, deep uh, understanding on, such as the uh, Television Critics Association recent press tour. Uh, all the upcoming TV programs that are expected to do well. Also, Promax and BDA conference that you were attending, CBSNews.com has got a new strategy in place. But to fill these uh, next four or five minutes, I thought you, we could do that just, you know, purely on an interview that you had recently. Last year, uh, you had an interview with Fox's Bill O'Reilly, which was rather exciting. We talked about that last year. Uh, this year, uh, the Donald, Donald Trump. You had the opportunity to interview him and talk about a whole bunch of great things. First of all, first off, uh, share with us, you know, some insights as to what came about through your interview, and then also if, if our audience has access to be able to see a transcript of that interview. Well, uh, the audience can read the column that I wrote about him. It's online, of course, at tvweek.com. Uh, this actually started with a call from Donald himself to me, which was quite a surprise. <laughs> wow. He actually doesn't use a PR person or public relations person very much. He uh, sees an article he likes or doesn't like or hears about a story, and he'll pick up the phone and call the reporter or editor directly, as he did with me, to complain that in our uh, preview of the Emmys, we failed to list The Apprentice as a likely nominee. And in <laughs> fact, it did turn out to be a nominee, but... That started a process that uh, a few weeks later landed me in his office on Fifth Avenue in the Trump Tower. Wow. So I'm assuming you got a, a latte or an espresso, or what, what, what was that all about? Well, uh, you go into Trump Tower, which is a fabulous building, and uh, up a secret elevator to the top floor, and Donald Trump's office is on a corner, a giant office overlooking the whole of New York, and he's got all of his mementos spread around. One entire wall is magazine covers, and he's on the cover of every magazine on the wall. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he has his famous hairdo, which uh, turned out to be kind of a, a comb over with a lot of hairspray. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, I was quite taken with him. He, look, he's a braggart. He's a salesman. He's a relentless self-promoter. 
but he's also a pretty successful businessman. As he pointed out to me, uh, our sister publication in New York, uh, Crane's New York Business, recently ranked his company as the largest, the number one company in terms of revenue in New York City among privately held companies with over $10 billion a year in revenue. So uh, he does deliver the goods. So when will he be appearing on the cover of Television Week then, Alex? Well, I'm sure he'll... Uh, <laughs> we've had stories about him before. I'm sure we'll have more in the future. Yeah. What was interesting was he told me he didn't really like season three of The Apprentice very much. The ratings were down. He didn't think it was very good. So for the first time, he got personally hands-on involved with the creation of the next cycle, which is The Apprentice you're going to be seeing starting in mid-September. And he helped choose the 18 guests, and he promises it's going to be a lot better show. Hmm. So his relationship with the producer, Burnett, uh, I assume is a little different than other uh, products that Burnett produces, I would assume, being Donald and who he is and mm-hmm. his influence over what he actually attaches his name to, huh? Well, uh, in Burnett, of course, he picked one of the best producers in television, the producer of Survivor and a number of other hits, as well as a few flops. Uh, and they're also partnered as producers of the new version of The Apprentice starring Martha Stewart which is going to be on Wednesday nights and then uh, beginning in September. And then Thursday nights would be the Donald's version. So there's going to be two apprentices on NBC every week. You know, you mentioned that uh, uh, Donald Trump does not have a, a publicist or a PR person, and certainly uh, if Donald ever decided to get out of his line of work, he could be the uh, uh, premier publicist of the world and, and have a long line of people forming behind him that he could represent because he's good at it. But, And I don't blame him. I mean, why, why would he need a publicist? He, he can do it himself. But uh, curious, and you know, help me if I'm prying here, but uh, you know, did, did, you know, were you going to be in New York anyway, or did he send his private plane over to pick you up? What was that all about? No, I was going to be in New York anyway. I called him in advance after we'd had our initial conversation, and told him the dates, and uh, he agreed to the interview. It was at my uh, instigation. This is good. Still didn't find out about the latte, though. This is Alex Ben Block, our special guest, the editor of Television Week, and uh, he's going to be with us this hour and next with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. More in just a minute. Decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Never borrow money needlessly, just when you must. Borrow then when loans are a specialty from folks you trust. Borrow confidently from H. Household Finance Corporation offices are listed in... It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our special guest uh, this hour and next, Alex Ben Block, who is editor of uh, Television Week. A lot of stuff to talk about, and it's good uh, that we have Alex. Normally, we just have Alex for one segment or possibly two, but this uh, this gives us an opportunity uh, to get a little bit more uh, involved with Alex and find out what's cooking out there. Before we get back to the interview right now, what we want to do is check in with Jeffrey Ginnimer on the Advertising Show. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Think about your best customers, how they get that way. Don't you have great relationships with them? 
If you're friends with your best customer, it will often eliminate the need for price checking, price negotiating, and delivery time demands. You can even occasionally give bad service and still keep the customer. There's another huge bonus to being friends. Competition is eliminated. Your best competitor couldn't blast you away from a customer who is also your friend. Now, most salespeople think that unless they're calling on a customer to sell something, that it's a wasted call. Nothing could be further from the truth. People don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. So, how do you start making friends? Slowly. It takes time to develop a relationship. It takes time to build a friendship. And if you're listening to this and thinking, I don't have time for this relationship stuff, Jeffrey. I'm too busy making sales. Find a new profession, Bubba. This one won't last long. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Probably so. On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Our special guest is Alex Ben Block, editor of Television Week magazine. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, no, for, uh, for those of you who were listening last segment, if you want to learn more about Donald Trump and uh, Alex's uh, interview, his column is available at tvweek.com. Uh, let's uh, sort out, if you could for us, please, Alex, sort out for us the uh, upfront TV market, although it may be some old news for, for some. Uh, it is finally over now, and uh, curious uh, how you think uh, broadcast networks uh, uh, did versus uh, cable networks. Well, broadcast is back. That was the message this year, uh, whether it's in the ratings or among the critics or in terms of awards. This has been a great comeback year for broadcast, led by the ABC network with Desperate Housewives and Lost and so forth. And the upfronts pretty much reflected that. CBS was the number one uh gainer in terms of the upfronts. The upfronts, of course, are where much of the advertising for the coming season is sold in advance at a slight discount, but it's a guaranteed sale for major advertisers. And uh, CBS far and away was number one. ABC had a very nice uptick. Now, ABC was pretty smart about this. Instead of asking for monstrous increases, they went for a 5% increase, and they pretty much got it and sold out early on. They were the first one to sell out. And then uh, Fox did pretty well, and the WB network uh, didn't do as well, which reflected the tough year they had last year. The big news was NBC, which in the past has pretty much gotten what they want. They've been the market leader, got the highest CPMs or cost per thousand. And this time they went out and thought they'd get the same price as they did last year, and they were shut out. The advertisers said, no, we're not going to pay that. And so they had to uh, pretty much tuck in their tail and go back and think about it and come back and sell at a slight discount. And they ended up uh, dropping about $900 million in terms of the amount of money they brought in from the upfront, which is, even in uh, NBC's league, uh, quite a significant drop. Uh, luckily for the corporation, the addition of the universal properties helped cushion that blow. But still, uh, this very morning, I heard a presentation by one of the top executives at uh, NBC, and he said they're going to have to do a little belt tightening. They're not doing layoffs, but they are, by attrition, going to be cutting back on the amount of staff they have. And uh, while they're continuing to pour money into programming and promotion, 
they're very much aware that uh, this is a tough time of transition year, as they call it, and uh, that they're going to have to make the ratings come back up and get a couple of hits if they want to get back in the uh, top rung that they held for so many years. And Al Roker is going to, in addition to doing the weather, he's going to run a camera. No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I guess when you have a 17% primetime uh, ratings decline uh, last season, that's the kind of, uh, on all the other hand, you know, the networks have been declining, but not at that level. Uh, so I guess that's how it translates in terms of dollars. So how did, you know, you, you always hear, especially these last few years, that uh, cable has a, a positive outcome from the, uh, year to year. How, how did cable shake out in the upfront? Now, cable on a selective basis did pretty well, but the problem with cable is there's just too much inventory. There's too many of them out there. There's too much availability for advertising time for everybody to get everything they want. So the major networks like FX and Bravo and the USA Network, who have programming that we actually can recognize and that people watch, uh, did okay. Uh, they didn't get big increases, but they held their own, and uh, it was a solid season for them. Uh, ESPN and some of the others who have programming like sports that clearly has an audience uh, also did just fine. But if you were some of the smaller networks, uh, things were a little bit tougher and uh, dollars are harder to come by. And many of them failed to sell out, and they're going to have to hold that advertising and keep it available for what's called the spot market, which is during the year as people need advertising availabilities, they'll just buy them at uh, whatever price the network can sell them for. Yeah, and you mentioned Bravo, owned by NBC Universal. You mentioned ESPN, owned by Disney, which owns ABC. Obviously, the networks see uh, what role programming can play with a, uh, a cable channel, and uh, they get behind it, and they've done very well. Uh, and, and uh, I guess beginning to invest in uh, some dollars, some some production or programming dollars into those cable networks that they own. Uh, you mentioned uh, the new. Uh, the, you, you mentioned FX, and I want to talk a little bit about the new FX controversial series over there, created by Stephen Baco, uh, set to debut. I guess uh, next week, uh, Alex. What can you tell us about this upcoming program? Well, Stephen Bochco, of course, is the creator of NYPD Blue and in the past uh, such shows as Hill Street Blues and Doogie Howser, M.D., and many other favorites that are being big hits. His last couple of shows haven't done as well, and he's been very outspoken about the chilling effect that the uh, FCC action after Janet Jackson has had on network television. So now he's making his first series for cable television where he's free to pretty much paint the electronic canvas as he wishes and use language as he wants, and he does it with tremendous effect in over there. I think this is uh, not only an excellent piece of television, but it's a groundbreaking series in many ways. First of all, it's the first scripted series about an, a war that the Americans are in that actually takes place while the war is still going on. And that alone made it controversial because the question was how it will affect morale of our soldiers and how would the families of those soldiers feel when they watched it. Uh, having seen a number of episodes, I think the answer is they've done a pretty good job of taking the politics out of this and putting the grunts into it. Those soldiers who are on the ground, you really get a feel not only for what their lives are like, but really how they feel about things and the dangers they're facing and the political nature of this war. I'll give you just one incident from it. Uh, in the first episode, the soldiers, the American soldiers, are in a firefight with uh, the enemy who's in a mosque across the way. And they're not free to attack or do what they want because also in the mosque is a TV crew from Al Jazeera and there's an American general 75 miles away deciding for public relations reason whether or not the soldiers should attack. So while it's not a political series, there are some things to think about that have political implications. And Stephen Bacho has done a great job. I think this is going to be part of the dialogue about the war in Iraq as we go forward. 
Well, Bacho and controversy uh, goes hand in hand. I'd be surprised if, uh, but certainly just on his name, uh, brand name itself, as well as that kind of uh, controversial storyline is going to be a big following for uh, the new up- upcoming series. It'll be interesting to follow that. I want to go back real quickly to the TV up front we were just talking about. You know, back when they were... Uh, Positioning that being the advertisers against the networks and anticipating uh, negotiations, except, et cetera. GM, along with Procter and Gamble, both said that they were going to be buying fewer commercials during the upcoming TV season. Did they stick to their word on that, Alex, or was that just a negotiation ploy? They did stick to their word on it, and let's understand exactly what they said. They didn't say they were going to spend less on advertising. They said they were going to spend less on 30-second spots on the traditional networks. Mm-hmm. Right. So what they're trying to do is broaden out their advertising. At a time, there's a lot of commercial skipping because of TiVo or DVR devices, the remote control. Uh, some groups like young male adults are very hard to get them to watch TV at all. They're saying, well, maybe there is some other way we can reach them, whether it's uh, some form of guerrilla marketing, handing you something when you're on the street, or whether it's billboards or radio, or uh, these days, increasingly, a lot of those dollars are flowing to the Internet, where they're actually able to do somewhat more creative things, and a lot of the advertising and how much they pay for it depends on who clicks through. So in some senses, it's more effective. And it's all part of a larger movement uh, to measure uh, beyond audience what they call engagement, in other words, it's not enough to know whether people are watching commercials anymore, but rather we want to know, or the advertiser wants to know, were the people engaged by it? Did it result in a sale? And if so, that's where they want to spend their money. And with the new technology we have uh, through cable TV, through TiVo, through what the Nielsen Company is doing, we're increasingly able to get that better information. So all of this is having quite a revolutionary effect on the whole advertising industry and television. And GM and Procter and Gamble are uh, right out front uh, leading the march. And uh, Mazda's getting hooked up with that too. They've got uh, apparently a show called First Look, and they're also uh, showcasing, uh, I guess, with product placement, an MX-5 sports car and the Mazda 5 minivan as well. Uh, with these new shows, E Ring and My Name Is Earl and Surface, uh, hmm. interesting. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot the of engagement. stuff going on. A lot of people are doing uh, advertorial stuff on the web now. Like uh, BMW did a thing where they hire high-priced advertising or even movie makers and uh, invite people to go and see it, or they put it on video on demand on cable systems, and uh, they find that there actually is an appetite for long-form commercials. In other words, instead of uh, looking at a 30-second car commercial with a pretty girl and a lot of chrome, people who are going to spend forty or $50,000 on a car are actually willing to go on VOD and watch a 10-minute infomercial that has real information in it, yeah. as shocking as that may seem. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah, you know, engagement is the big, uh, the new buzzword at the moment from marketing circles and media vendors. Uh, it, I read something recently, I don't know if you came across this, about a... Uh, major league baseball game where uh, I think it was uh, General Motors, Alex, that had some, uh, I don't know, from what I could tell in reading the article, and I don't have it at my fingertips, but it seemed to be a little bit over the top, and I think the network uh, that was uh, involved in this was Fox, uh, Fox Sports. Do you recall? Well, Fox uh, is the baseball network, of course. They own all rights to baseball and run all of the games. And Fox also has been somewhat adventurous in what they allow advertisers to do to try things, and I think there has been some reaction. And again, new technology plays a role here. For instance, uh, in many broadcasts, there's a blue screen behind the batter, and so the commercial or the ad that seems to be a billboard will constantly change at different times uh, behind the batter. And then uh, also uh, Fox and the other networks are looking for ways to 
talk about the advertiser during the game itself rather than mm-hmm. taking the chance that you're going to tune out during the uh, what they call a pod when they run a bunch of commercials all at once. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been criticism because Fox clearly is willing to try just about anything they can to uh, satisfy those advertisers and and uh, put product placements subtly or not so subtly throughout the game. On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and our special guest is Alex Van Block, who is editor of Television Week magazine. Lots more to talk about, and uh, we'll be back uh, with Alex uh, next hour. So stick around. We've got uh, advertising on the way on the advertising show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card, the one card I need for travel and entertaining, for business and pleasure. Well, without this, the only way I'd get any attention is by saying, that's all, folks. To apply for a card... On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Always done a great job of marketing themselves. American Express, we've gone from Elmer Fudd to Tiger Woods, you see. Mm-hmm. So we have them now. Real quick before we get into bad advertising, this caught my eye. This is from an advertising age. It says, new wheat bread tastes like white. Now, to my knowledge, white bread doesn't have any taste, right. so you'd be taking bread that maybe had some taste and taking the taste out. Right. More bread bakers, such as Interstate Bakeries and Sara Lee, are creating a very variety of healthier whole grain white breads, adjusting to the recent health trends and the majority of consumers who dislike the taste of whole grain breads. I, I'm, but white bread doesn't have any taste, so... Mm. <laughs> I'd go the other way. I'd get white bread that tastes like wheat. <laughs> That's what I would do, leaves. too. Hello. Yeah. Let's, uh, every week we look at the upside and downside of advertising. Unfortunately, this week it is not so good. Let's listen. And now it's time for the advertising item of the week. What are we looking at this week? Well, we've complimented uh, Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority, and we've, uh, but not this time. We have a new spot out called Blue. It's a TV spot, and it's produced by R&R Partners out of Las Vegas. And I haven't seen the spot on television, but I saw it on adcritic.com. And if you haven't seen it, uh, very quickly, the spot opens with three guys playing pool. And one of the guys' cell phones ring, and he answers, Hey, Mom, what's going on? She asks, uh, Hey, baby, how was Vegas? And son looks worried, and he says, Vegas? And then he looks back at his buddies and he says, oh, oh, Vegas was cool. We saw Blue Man Group. Uh, you know, the guys, uh, they don't talk. It's uh, funny and they're blue. And then the mother <laughs> says, are you okay? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Can I call you back later? And the mother says, sure. So he hangs up his cell phone and uh, his buddies say, good job. One of his guys says, smooth. And the uh, spot ends with uh, voiceover, our fabulous shows can be your alibi. And ends with the, the visitvegas.com uh, website and the Las Vegas logo. Uh, you know, very funny spot. You look at it, it's very well executed. Sure. Uh, but the message, you know, for potential Las Vegas visitors, in, in my opinion, is, is slightly, if not uh, totally, confusing. When you, you know, we all know about the wonderful shows that you can and acts you can see in Las Vegas casinos. But you know, I, I'm struggling to find the connection between not going to Las Vegas, playing pool with your buddies, lying to your mother, 
and wanting to go see a show in, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it, the connection l- lacks a little bit of a, mm. a realistic uh, tie-in there. I'm sure uh, whoever wrote the spot and, and the producers and so forth certainly understand the connection and probably convince their client uh, how this connects with a potential uh, visitor to Las Vegas. But, you know, I don't know about you, Ray, but uh, I, I'm struggling with uh, thinking that any viewer who, who happens to see this spot is left with a lasting impression that they must now go to Las Vegas to see one of the wonderful shows that they have there. So, uh, you know, my take is it's a great example of how a creative strategy behind a spot can be very familiar to very familiar to those that maybe created it and, and maybe the actual uh, advertiser themselves. But the spot uh, really, in my opinion, has, has very little connection to what you're hoping to convey to your target, which is... Mm-hmm. Go see a, a wonderful show in in Las Vegas. Why, why is this? Why are these guys lying to their mom? And yeah. why didn't they go? And so it shows that they decided not to go do something that uh, that they're trying to get you as a viewer to want to go go see. So sounds like know. it's time for a new campaign. I've got one for you, uh, Las Vegas. Um, now we sell it at the same price that we do our employees. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Employee price. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? Well, and you can drive a Chevy or a uh, Ford or a Chrysler. Uh. And get an extended discount, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting thoughts on that. It may be time for a change, though, huh? But what you're suggesting is it just doesn't send the right message. It tries to take the extension of the other campaign, which is an outstanding campaign, only in Las Vegas, or what happens here stays here. We know that campaign. And they try to extend that campaign to the shows and so forth. And uh, I don't know. I think somebody's missing it there. Mm -hmm. I think I agree there. Uh, By the way, we want to give you an opportunity to go to theadvertisingshow.com. That's a great place to see what's coming up, what's in the news, and also uh, take a listen to our past guests that we've had uh, here on The Advertising Show. Theadvertisingshow.com is the place to go. Next hour, it'll be with uh, Jonathan Margolis, Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century. Andy Borowitz joins us. The uh, Wacky World of Marketing as well, too. So it's, uh, of course, we've got our special interview uh, today with Alex Ben Block, who is editor of Television Week magazine, too. Alex will be back for about three segments uh, next hour here at the Advertising Show. We're being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com, and you'll find a lot of great stuff. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we hope you can stick around for another 60 minutes of great stuff here. It's the Advertising Show, a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Back for hour number two and uh, the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. And uh, we'll continue our conversation this hour with Alex Ben Block, who is editor of Television Week magazine. We've also got coming up uh, very shortly Jonathan Margolis, guerrilla marketing for the 21st century. <laughs> Andy Borowitz uh, talking about uh, John Roberts. And if I said, who is John Roberts, Brad, who would you say? He's the uh, Supreme Court oh, nominee. Good. Okay, very nominee. good. Okay, you know better than a lot of folks. Wacky World of Marketing as well, too, so uh, stick around for that. 
So we've got a lot of stuff um, cooking this hour. I hope you stay with us. Remember, the AdvertisingShow.com, great place to go. Uh, whether you're listening to the show or you or after the show throughout the week, you can actually pull up some of the interviews that we've had in the past several years and listen to those as well or share them with friends. Uh, you know, if in uh, supermarkets... Um, what do you see on floors? You see those sticky things that go on the floors, and they 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 try to catch your attention, right? Mm-hmm, okay. Sure. There's something new, and I did not know this because they don't have uh, you know, this here in our home market of Houston. But uh, the Floor Graphics uh, is the company. Floor ads are designed to react to customer input, while research has shown increases in sales. Uh, the CEO of this company uh, said uh, said that comment. Interacting with floor ads, that's very interesting. It's a digital ad projected onto the store floor. Uh, some of the stores that are using it, Price Chopper, A&P, Stater Brothers, and Food Lion. So hmm. uh, in the Houston market, I know Food Lion is here, but I've never seen any of these digital ads. So that's kind of taken it a step in the right direction. A digital floor <laughs> ad, isn't that kind of cool? I like your line there, step in the right direction. Of course, digital, I guess, they can uh, change that out frequently without much cost or little cost, if any, to the actual uh, advertiser because it's digital. And, uh, you know, Alex was just talking about last hour, the ability to change things in in baseball games and so forth. And, by the way, I found this. uh, It'll be interesting. Uh, It'll be interesting if that uh, takes hold, Ray, in the grocery uh, store aisle near you mm-hmm. if it does we'll we'll uh, comment on it i haven't seen it either you know I, I did find that item that i mentioned to uh to uh alex and you on the uh during the last segment of the interview where where chevrolet apparently sponsored the major league baseball all-star game yeah. earlier this uh, month in detroit and chevy general motors related products and so forth all on the screen and i think the big uh, from what i can tell from looking at this article the big uh Criticism was the fact that uh, Fox Sports announcers Joe Buck and Tim McGarver uh, were both uh, McCarver, I should say, were both uh, playing along as if this uh, this handmade uh, banner that was unfurled in the uh, outfield with a website address on it, h a r y a dot com. They both commented that they were baffled by the message, not familiar with the website, not sure what that was. This is why the uh, when the uh, TV camera mm. was uh, focused in on the banner. And come to find out, the website uh, is a promotional venue for a new Chevrolet product, the HHR uh, crossover vehicle, and uh, it was exactly what Alex was talking about last hour. It was an enhancement as mm-hmm. part of a major multi-unit uh, in-game buy, uh, according to uh, Fox Sports spokesperson. And, you know, if you're looking to engage with your viewer, I think it's a great idea. I think you can maybe get a little over the top and it'll eventually backfire. Yeah. Not unlike what we saw in the beginning of product placement when uh, some product placements were more subtle uh, and they were more accepting. Viewers m- were more accepting of that and w- in other cases when it was a bit over the top, which I think uh, a restaurant we used to talk about, the original sure. restaurant series was a bit over the top because what are they doing, drinking Coors beer, driving around in a Mitsubishi and right. stuck American, American Express logos in your face. Right. Yeah, a little bit over the top. You're absolutely right. I think the idea of the blue screen behind the batter is a good idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty yeah. cool. And if you don't, don't know what blue screen is, that's where you can show images and, uh, you know, uh, news news uh, shows use that as well, obviously. Yep. And uh, talking about other stuff as well, uh, the out-of-home advertising market is growing faster than advertising in most all other categories except for online. That makes sense. According to TNS Media Intelligence, 
The big holding companies are devoting the new energy to out-of-home advertising as new technologies and newfound creativity and placement spur uh, the growth in the sector. It's uh, called the Brave New Billboard. And I haven't really seen, I've seen some okay billboards, but I haven't really seen anything uh, lately that has really knocked my socks off. Uh, and I think it's about time for something like that. Mm-hmm. We're well, gonna like anything, like anything if, you, if it's not a whole bunch of good stuff out there and yours is good, Guess yeah, what? Boy, does it really it stick out like out. crazy, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it, though? Yeah. Hey, we've got to check in now with Jonathan Margolis. It's guerrilla marketing for the 21st century here on the Advertising Show. And now it's time for Jonathan Margolis with guerrilla marketing for the 21st century. Sometimes brands are looking for something different to help get their message out, generate some press, or simply draw attention to the latest product or programming. In those cases, agencies can create programs that not only extend their clients' message, but do so with unparalleled style and creativity. They can achieve this in the form of a publicity stunt or event. It could mean gathering five or 50 people, outfitting a van, flatbed truck, or tractor trailer, and distributing anything from printed postcards to branded premiums. More often than not, such stunts and events stay mobile, starting out as early as 5 a.m. in an effort to get a shot on a morning show and constantly move throughout the day. They usually stop at a high-traffic street corner or venue and more often than not carry on until 6 or so, with a chance to snag a mention on the evening news as well. The beauty of these stunts is that when done correctly, they can work well for any number of brands and categories, from cable clients and film industries to consumer electronics and lifestyle brands. The trick is to think of the craziest thing you can do to promote your particular product or brand and then scale back from there, all the while keeping in mind budget, timing, and depending on the scope of your ideas, the laws of gravity. For now, this is Jonathan Margolis for The Advertising Show, reminding you, it's a jungle out there. Be a gorilla. This has been Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century with your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to michael-allen.com. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Always good stuff out of Jonathan Margolis. And uh, we'll, uh, a little bit later on, check in with Andy Borowitz. And Brad, who knew who, knew, who uh, John Roberts was, but uh, mm-hmm. some people are a little confused at this particular point. So, anyway... Uh, Alex uh, is uh, with us. He's in the green room. At least it appears to be green at this point. Yeah. Uh, and he's the editor of Television Week magazine. He'll be back with us here momentarily on the advertising show. So what do you got there? Well, did we get all of those uh, uh, various items that Alex requested in the green room? I know he wanted Perrier and he wanted some uh, he wanted the, sandwiches. No, he wanted the new Arizona iced tea. Uh, well, Alex also requested some uh, some some Brock's candies. He likes the uh, chocolate candies. Let's see, what else well, did he want? I didn't know if the uh, finger sandwiches were code for something from Wendy's. <laughs> Do you think? See, just when possible? everybody forgot about that, you brought it up. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's true. Oh well, no, he he didn't want to. We, I was hoping last hour we would have uh, gotten some dirt on. Uh, on uh, I don't know on on his interview with with Donald Trump sitting in his office there like uh, Donald uh, took five five phone per, you know personal phone calls during the interview or you know maybe uh, got up and uh, walked into the other room and left uh, Alex sitting there for five ten minutes uh, while he had to wait on uh, Donald making a, a very important decision this is the way I'm envisioning having to deal with Donald Trump <laughs> but I must say the guy you know the guy understands the the PR process and uh, was very smart to uh, and, and very good timing in getting a, a, an audience with Alex and inviting him up to the office and being able to uh, get, get uh, another version of what he wanted out 
Yeah, Donald had the, a real tall desk chair and a real tall desk, and I could just see Alex sitting there in one of those chairs where you're sitting on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> you got your knees up to your shoulders. Right. Okay, you're comfortable? No? Good. That's funny. Okay, congratulations to Coca-Cola. Coke is the number one world's top brand for no the fourth year in a row. Yeah. Inner brand name Coca-Cola, the world's most valuable brand, worth an estimated $67.5 billion. I'll take a piece of that. Yeah. Nokia, the highest non-U.S. brand, coming in sixth, according to the survey. And the survey yeah. says. Yeah. So I wonder. I, I don't have the other ones here. Uh, I wish I did. Anyway. Well, if you're if you're uh, an ad agency by the name of uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners, you're thinking that Subway might be a, a great brand name since you represented that product for many years as agency of record. But Bye-bye. unfortunately, Sub, Subway, yeah, has yeah. Uh, dismissed. Uh, good B. The agency uh, has confirmed uh, Subway spent nearly uh, 400. And, I'm sorry, 340 million uh, in uh, advertising last year. So uh, you know that's not easy easy to replace. That was just reported this past Thursday. Yeah. Uh, uh, late breaking news here. And so. according, they say that uh, that uh, the company can meet their needs without the additional help. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Is that what they said? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So that's a way of saying you know how we've. Uh, be- then uh, paying for your services, we not only don't need your services, we don't need any services. We can do it better. I yeah. don't think so. We'll That's see. We'll see. Slap in the face. Yeah, it? it really was. You know, here's another thing too. Um, before we get back to our interview uh, uh, with Alex, uh, Sprint, Nextel, T-Mobile—they're <laughs> being sued for false advertising. And this is something we talk about all the time. You know, you can put stuff in fine print, but if you've uh, if you're going to take off your customers to the point of getting sued, that's pretty mm-hmm. stupid, isn't it? You, it says you can't promise a great deal in the headline and hide the true cost in the fine print, according to uh, Jonathan Mintz, who is the department's uh, acting commissioner. A T-Mobile spokesperson declined to comment. Nextel spokesperson said the company's ads are truthful, and a Sprint spokesperson said the company is disappointed by the lawsuit. Well, only if they lose. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's so true. I mean, you, you get into these these plans, and you know this uh, the Verizon, this family and friend things uh, that they've got going. You know that if you go over your minutes, you better be prepared to take out a small business loan or something like that to pay for the overages because that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even um, the Verizon people are uh, are aware of that. <laughs> I asked them that question. I said, so if I go over. I'm really going to get, you know what, right? They said, oh, yeah, yeah, the rates go way up for those uh, for those extra charges. So. Well, as a car, car dealer friend of, of mine and yours, mutual friend, mm-hmm. often says, Brad, there is no Santa Claus. And I hope uh, any of our listeners are, you know, not uh, too taken aback by that comment. But, uh, yes. yeah, you, you know, there is no free lunch. And, uh, you know, the telecoms, the cell, the mobile companies, the mobile phone uh, uh Carriers, so to speak, are the ones that are really, uh, I don't know, most guilty of uh, stretching the truth on what you get. You and I are both on the, the national plans, aren't we, Ray? Yes, exactly. So you, you call, whether you call across the street or you call your you know, buddy in uh, Detroit, uh, it's the same rate, and uh, you know I don't know. I think it's a good plan for for me. I'm on Verizon. Well, I've been I've been with Verizon, and this is not product placement. I've been with Verizon since it was GTE. Right, it goes back a, a long, long time. That's why yep. uh, sequentially you and I have almost the same numbers, which yeah, is weird. Old number. There yeah. you go. But uh, we're going to be back with uh, Alex Ben Block here in just a minute, um, and uh, he's the editor of Television Week magazine. And we've got that and a whole bunch more coming up on the advertising show.
You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow-white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and it's because of songs like that that it makes Coca-Cola the number one brand in the world. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, we have um, we have a special guest, uh, Alex Ben Block, joining us. I see here. I'm going to press this button because I don't think I have Alex yet. There we go. Hello. Uh, there you go. You're back. Thank you very much. Hey, Alex, welcome I'm back. I was drinking the Dom Perignon in the uh, green room. Uh, <laughs> Were you I, really? I spilled it when you said there was no Santa Claus. Well, use the uh, <laughs> use the Kleenex <laughs> tissues to clean it up then, would you, Alex, please? Okay. And maybe some uh, of that, uh, that carpet uh, oxy stuff uh, to get it out of the carpet, too, because, you know, it's a... Uh, it's right. expensive. Well, Editor of three, Television Week magazine. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, the three-ply uh, Scott towels, along with the, uh, uh, yeah, so all those are product placements. And the, the Dom Perignon did require two mentions uh, if they were going to sp- provide us with uh, future bottles. So you've gotten one out of the way, and uh, sorry about the uh, problem with Santa Claus. He I'm probably sorry. would have enjoyed Ripple just as much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, you welcome back. <laughs> yeah. what can I say? Uh, well, you know, there's a lot we could talk about here, and in the first uh, in the in this segment, we're always a little abbreviated on time. So let's jump into the dirt here. And uh, what's what's going on with the latest uh, with the network morning shows today and Good Morning America in particular? I read where these uh, uh, where the broadcast networks have a surplus of uh, prime promotional time right now uh, for NBC's Today, and it's getting. Uh, more promos on summer nights that uh, it than it's ever done in the past, and yet we've got all this uh, going on. Supposed cat fight between uh, Diane and and uh, Katie. So you know, can you sort all this out for us, Alex? Well, the morning television wars are more competitive than probably they've ever been in history. The Today Show continues to be the leader as it has been for about 500 weeks, but uh, the margin has narrowed considerably with Good Morning America on ABC. And even the CBS Morning Show is perked up, and uh, all three shows are quite profitable for the networks. And depending on where you are, there's a number of uh, morning shows locally that are doing well, and even uh, morning shows on Fox and CNN have shown signs of life. But today's show is still the winner. And what you're talking about is during the summer, uh, NBC has some extra time for promotion when they're not uh, hyping their main shows because their main shows are on hiatus. And so they're pouring a lot more money uh, into promotion and a lot more time into promotion for the Today Show, trying to get those numbers back up and trying to make sure that they remain the market leader and remain the incredible money machine that this show has been for NBC for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, originally, the uh, and it's been in the news a lot lately, the uh, additional hour, the three-hour uh, Today Show format, originally an idea to compete with ABC's Live with uh, Regis and Kelly back in uh, 2000, I believe, is when they launched that, and now there's there's some question uh, and and uh, commentary I'm I'm reading about how they're going to shift to a different uh, format for that third hour. What can what can you tell us about this, Alex? Well, you know, uh, they look at the third hour as being a significantly different audience than the uh, first two hours, and that is that whatever men are watching the first two hours, they believe have left for work by then, and that you're primarily looking at a female audience. So they've been programming heavily to the stay-at-home moms, to the working women who are at home, uh, and it's, the numbers are not great, and it's not holding up that well. 
And I, it, it wouldn't be a big surprise if they tinker with that format and try to find some way to pump it up. And do you think this uh, the commentary about uh, Katie Couric and being difficult to, to work with and uh, uh, creating a bit of uh, controversy between her and Matt Lauer, is there any truth to that, or does that just make for, for great uh, uh, tabloid writing? Well, you know, when you spend years in these jobs, uh, tension can come up between not only talent, uh, but also between the talent and the producers. And you may have noticed uh, only a couple of months ago that there was a change in the producers uh, mm-hmm. in a very abrupt manner of right. the Today Show, and largely according to all industry gossip, because Katie Couric didn't agree with what the old producer was doing, right. and now she's got a new producer who makes her happy. Mm-hmm. So do you think the speculation, you know, she denies that, that she had anything to do with the firing of the former producer, but you, you, you're thinking that, as others do, that maybe there was a little influence there. Well, these things are more subtle than that. It's not like she went into uh, Jeff Zucker's office and demanded he be fired. It's more like her shrugging and acting unhappy and wondering if she, she's how long she's going to stay around, that kind of thing. And then pretty soon, uh, that plus the tightness of the race works on the nerves of those NBC executives and presto change Changeo is time. We've got to take a break here at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. And our special guest, Alex Ben Block. Be back in just a minute. decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Yes, it's time to freshen ourselves with some good cologne, (laughs) cheap cologne that you can buy at the drugstore. There you go. It's in the aisle three, I think. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth with The Advertising Show, and uh, we'll get back to our interview here with uh, Alex Ben Block, who is the editor of Television Week magazine. Digging up a lot of dirt this week already, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's a good thing. We have uh, <laughs> each and every week the wacky world of marketing. Here it is. And now it's time for the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our wacky update comes from AP, where the moon is indeed made of cheese, at least according to Google. The Internet search engine has inaugurated a new mapping service of the moon. It was launched this week, 36 years to the day since Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans to walk on the lunar surface. Unlike Google Earth, you won't find driving directions on Google Moon, but you can see where each of the NASA manned missions landed. You can also zoom in on the landing sites with the closest setting giving you a cheese view of the lunar landscape. And that, my friends, is the interstellar wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. I actually went to that site, too, and checked that out as well. It's it's real. Yeah, it's real. I did, too. Uh, I'm signed up for it. <laughs> and then they I show did, you really. the cheese. Yeah. Did you really? I can, look at your, I can look at your lawn and tell you if it needs mowing now. It doesn't. It well, doesn't. no, I'm just telling you I can. Oh, you can. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, your pool needs cleaning, pal. One of your dogs are loose. <laughs> exactly. We've got Alex Ben Block on the advertising show, editor of Television Week magazine. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you. 
Yeah, Alex, before we uh, jump into talking about the recent Emmy uh, nominations that just recently took place here, I guess last week, Television Week held their semi-annual poll, uh, having critics rank uh, the best and worst. Uh, talk about uh, Talking about uh, their take on what shows ended up at the top and the bottom, what what were the uh, did did did, uh, did the critics pretty much parallel what the Emmy nominations are this year? Well, they did. Uh, in fact, the Emmy nominations, the TV Week Critics Poll, and the uh, TV Critics Association Awards given out last night all went to two shows uh, as well as some others, but in particular two shows that are going to be honored. I guarantee you, come again on Emmy night, and those are the two big ABC hits, Lost and Desperate Housewives. Hmm. And it's rather unusual that you have this uh, uh, situation where both what the critics like and, uh, and the ratings hit is the same show, but these two shows have achieved that, and it's a unique thing, and they're being honored all over the place. What does that say uh, in today's world where, the, where uh, I guess, you know, people are more, maybe viewers are a little more uh, particular about their viewing than what they were not so many years ago? What, what do you take from the fact that uh, ratings line up with uh, critic choice? Well, I think people absolutely are more particular because now they have more choices. Uh, when I was a young boy growing up, I had two networks to choose from and eventually three. Uh, today, uh, my daughter can turn on the TV and have 300 networks to choose from, as well as options like VOD and uh, recording things on her DVR and so forth. So uh, people can be much more discriminating. The age when programmers decided what you're going to see is over, and the age when you become your own programmer is just beginning. This is having a stunning effect on television, and the shows that succeed have to cut through the clutter. They have to make you a loyal member of the audience very quickly, and that's what both Desperate Housewives and Lost have achieved, along with a few others. I mean, there's shows like, in the reality category, Amazing Race on CBS and Survivor are both big hits, and Amazing Race was uh, the perennial Emmy winner, has been honored again and by all the critics. Uh, so there are shows that uh, can do it, and broadcast this year has made quite a comeback and shown that it's not just cutting-edge shows like The Shield on FX, but it's also shows on ABC and CBS that can hold people's interest in this amazingly large uh, choice we have every time we turn on the TV. Yeah, well, with the Emmy nominations just in, uh, HBO, again, led all networks with 93 Emmy nominations, but it's down from last year's uh, 124 nominations. Does this mean that uh, broadcast networks are, are doing a better job this year, you think? Well, the broadcasters are doing a better job, and they are back. And last year was an extraordinary year for HBO. They had Angels in America. They had uh, The Sopranos. They had Sex in the City. It was kind of the end of the cycle for a number of those shows. And, uh, and while those shows won a lot of awards, uh, particularly in the case of Angels in America, that doesn't mean they were widely seen. And that makes it very tough for the Emmy show. And I talked to the producers last week, uh, uh, and they're very, very excited that this time they have widely seen and popular shows to be nominees and to feature on the show. And they think the Emmys are going to see significantly improved ratings this year. Hmm. You know, you, you attended the uh, ProMax and BDA conference in New York uh, just this uh, past June and moderated the, a workshop entitled uh, is the ground moving beneath your feet? The increasing impact of VOD and PVRs. Uh, t t share with us, share with us, if you would, Alex, just some of the highlights from the conference as well as from your workshop. Well, the most important thing to know is that television promotion has never been more important, for the reasons we were just talking about. That there are now many more networks, many more choices in terms of shows. 
many other diversions outside of television that people can choose from, whether it's video games or uh, going to the movies or whatever it is. Uh, promoting shows, getting people's attention is harder than ever and more important than ever. And so uh, a number of top people came from major networks, from Disney and ABC, uh, uh, Martha Stewart was there, and others to praise these promotion people for the job they have to do. Now, this organization also represents what's called broadcast designers. Those are the folks who actually do the graphics and, the, and design and conceptualize the graphic packages on television. And 10 years ago, there were two or three companies who dominated the field. Today, there are several thousand companies in the field. Thanks to new technology, anybody with a computer and a good creative mind can now be a competitor yeah. and sit at home and do the work. So this convention has grown significantly, and there was a lot of energy, a lot of excitement in the air because promotion and marketing and advertising have never been more important. Hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the technology is changing the, the world we once lived in, and it used to be so simple uh, for uh, both marketers as well as viewers and consumers of media. A report released this past Thursday, Alex, uh, says that nearly half or suggests that nearly half of uh, U.S. homes will have digital video recorders in five years with uh, cable DVRs expected to overtake satellite. Mm. Uh, at the end of the last year, 7 million households had DVRs. By 2010, uh, they expect that number to climb to 55 million or 47 percent of all households, according to this uh, market research by Jupiter. Well, I believe those numbers because everybody I know who's gotten a DVR, whether it's TiVo or built into their cable box or in their satellite box, just loves it and doesn't want to give it up, and it changes the whole way they view TV. Interesting. And what does that mean for the, uh, for the uh, advertising and marketing practitioner? Well, it's a very big change, and to a large extent, a lot of these people who uh, record shows are skipping the commercials. And so that's why we've seen so much emphasis put on product integration or what used to be called product placement. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of that, where you'll see sponsorship boards and uh, uh, messages on the screen and uh, messages built into the shows that uh, work for the advertiser because it's getting harder and harder to reach the consumer who's more sophisticated and just all too happy to skip the commercials. Mm-hmm. And those that don't have those uh, DVRs are now seeing twice as many commercial uh, placement things in, in their shows now. That's, well, that's what they call clutter on television is up. Yeah. You know, uh, back in 1989 or so, until then there were laws about how many commercials they could have on TV, and those laws expired. And at that point, there were 9.5 minutes per hour. Hmm. Right now, there's more like 15 to 17 minutes per hour on almost every network. Incredible. Hmm. I didn't realize yeah. those had expired either. That's interesting. Well, it's, uh, and I, I happen to be a uh, subscriber through my uh, cable of a uh, of a device that allows it allows us to do that, and and we do skip the commercials. I know TiVo, uh, Alex. Maybe you can comment on this. TiVo introduced not so long ago the capability of uh, having a logo come up while you're spinning as you're zapping through commercials, so that if you are interested in learning more about that particular uh, commercial that you're whizzing by and didn't know was on there, that, that that's a way of connecting up with a viewer and not uh, not missing them totally. Do you, are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. That's one of the options that TiVo offers to advertisers, one of several. Uh, another thing they do is when you turn the TiVo on, the commercial automatically plays instantly the second you turn it on before you, you, know, you have to react to it. Uh, what you're talking about is that when people fast-forward through a commercial, they now can put the, a logo or a message from that commercial on the screen anyway. Even if It automatically goes on when you do the fast-forwarding. 
And so they hope that at least this will help uh, give you an impression or uh, interest you in this commercial. The other thing they're trying to do is make better commercials. They think if, if a commercial could be emotional enough or powerful enough or well done enough, that that'll increase viewing, but uh, that may or may not be the case. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess it'll all sort out here as we get more uh, adopted to that particular new technology as, as it becomes more pervasive among all households. I understand, Alex, that the FCC has once again postponed hearings on the new media ownership rules. Uh, can you bring us up to date on what's, what's going on there? Well, you know, the FCC right now uh, is in an odd situation in that there are two Democrats and two Republicans, and there's one empty seat that is eventually going to be filled by a Republican. But because of that, the new FCC chairman, Mr. Martin, doesn't have the votes to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And so a number of issues led by the question of ownership is kind of being put on hold until they wait to fill that seat, and the Republicans can be assured that uh, they can pretty much vote the way they want to. Uh, and so the White House apparently has a few other things on their mind right now, and they've been kind of slow getting around to that. So, uh, you know, the courts had ruled that the old rules and the whole business that went on wasn't appropriate, and they've thrown it back to the FCC. And the FCC does have to at some point deal with these ownership questions. But remember, Congress also passed a law capping uh, at 39 percent the reach that any one network could have in the United States, and that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, that'll be interesting to see when they get get their uh, act together and get that handled. I know it's been talked about for a long time now. The, back to some uh, commentary that I saw recently on HDTV and the channel assignments. I, I found this totally baffling, Alex. That uh, as recent as just a few weeks ago, the FCC says that 246 TV stations have not chosen their permanent digital channel assignments and uh, letters of gone out to these stations calling for them to pick channels by August 8th or otherwise the FCC will impose their own assignments, which I guess uh, as I read this uh, item, it basically, I don't know why they would be, the stations would be sitting on their hands waiting to do this. You wouldn't and, think but, so, no. Well, but it, but it has to do with, I guess, your, your local Channel 5 may not be uh, Channel 5 sometime in the future when HTTV comes about, right? Uh, that is possible, but I think, you know, the reality is that uh, over 90% of the stations have already converted. Over 50% are already uh, sending out signals, both analog and digital, currently, even though there's very few digital sets out there. And the 200-something stations you're talking about, the primary reason is money. It's a very, very expensive to make this conversion. You have to buy complete new equipment and cameras. Mm-hmm. You have to replace your broadcast tower. We're talking in the millions of dollars. And when you get to these very small markets around the United States, uh, the economics of it just don't really work for them, and they have a real serious problem, and it hasn't been solved yet. Mm-hmm. Alex, we are uh, actually, what, what are we, about 30 seconds here? Just a, I think about 15 it. seconds. Uh, by the way, Alex, it's always so much fun, and it's really cool because this is the very first time we've had the opportunity to spend a couple of hours uh, with you uh, here on the advertising show. So thanks for, uh, again, thanks for taking time out of your weekend to be with us here. Well, it's my pleasure, Ray and Brad. You do an important public service and a great job. I'm happy to be with you anytime. You got it. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Alex. Go to TVWeek.com to find out more and uh, find out more about Alex Ben Block and uh, the Television Week magazine as well. So we'll be back in just a minute with more on the Advertising Show. It's Ray and Brad. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. 
Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will pour. Must say something more somehow. So tonight, 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 let it be low and round. Let it be low and round. It's yes, partners, so as we finish the show, we uh, hoist a cold one. Uh, Doug has his. I'm joking. Near beer. <laughs> Near beer. <laughs> Which is now known as light. <laughs> oh, pearl light. Oh, man, that's so bad. Alex Ben Block is always fun to have on the advertising show, editor of uh, Television Week. Go to tvweek.com, and you, you can always, uh, or better yet, subscribe to the magazine. That would be the best thing to do. Okay, good. You know, you know what you I like about uh, Alex, having him on the show? Hmm. You, you just tee up a question, and the guy talks for, you know, two, three minutes, and he brings all those uh, well, angles and He's lonely, Brad. He's, he's, he's lonely. <laughs> you know, he that, you, that you can only do if you have a depth of knowledge, as Alex does. And I'm saying this, and he's not even listening anymore. Right, exactly. He's gone. Yeah home. What uh, if he took a bottle of that Perrier? He probably oh, did. It was open bottle. Dom Perignon. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, which is a lot different than Perrier. We've got uh, Andy Borowitz uh, teed up right now on the advertising show. Hi. This is Andy Borowitz for the advertising show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. John G. Roberts, President Bush's nominee to replace Justice Sandra Day O'Connor of the United States Supreme Court, made a case for his own nomination this past week, telling reporters that, if confirmed, he was determined to be the most generic white male in the history of the Supreme Court. With the beaming President Bush at his side, Judge Roberts said that if he serves on the nation's highest court, the nondescript American white male who is woefully underrepresented in this country at present will finally have a voice. Judge Roberts summarized the life experiences that had put him in touch with the needs of the generic white male, including a brief period in the 1980s when he modeled generic men's sportswear for Kmart, as well as a later stint as a downloadable generic white male icon for clip art. While President Bush praised his nominee for being both interchangeable and unremarkable, a poll taken just hours after the nomination was announced suggests trouble ahead, with a clear majority of Americans being unable to remember Judge Roberts' name. According to the poll, over 50% of those surveyed identified Mr. Bush's nominee as either Jim Rogers or Bob Roberts, with over 70% confusing him with CBS News anchor John Roberts, yet another prominent generic white male. For his part, President Bush appeared unfazed by such numbers, telling reporters at the White House, I have total confidence in Don Rogers. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. I think it would be great to have a Mr. Rogers in the Supreme <laughs> Court, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. That's that's Andy. Um, and uh, by the way, if you're hungry this evening, um, let's see. Applebee's, you've probably seen their commercials. That's because they spent $126.9 million bucks across various media categories this past year compared to the second highest spender, who, if you're also hungry, you can go there, Chili's, uh, which spent $98.7 million. Gee, which, advertising you know, must work, you know. If you're spending that kind of money and you're not seeing their commercials. Yeah. That's a problem. Oh, trust me, I've seen their commercials more than I want to see their commercials. Applebee's or, or Chili's? Both of them. 
Both of them. They're all over the place, yeah. I think they yeah. spend a little bit too much. Maybe they cut back. That'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, trees. <laughs> exactly. Uh, neither one of those restaurants, except that the, for those in Billings, Montana, that is the only restaurant in Billings, <laughs> yeah. Montana, worth going to, okay? Right. Just FYI. Uh, well, Lars Bathholm is our uh, guest uh, coming up uh, this... Uh, actually, uh, no, he's not. He, he'd be, yeah. he, next week, it's not Lars. It'll be... The week after next, is that correct, Brad? No, actually, we're going to. Uh, Lars is coming uh, on in in a few months. We're going to have to reschedule. Few months. Lars. Is, is Lars in like uh, some other place in the world? Is that where he's at? Well, with that name, you would think he's not. He's in Norway Dallas, or Sweden right? or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next week, it's going to be an encore performance of the advertising show with a very, very funny guy, uh, author of Mouth Sounds. His name is Fred Newman, and uh, he's right. going to be uh, here with you. <laughs> this guy is great. This guy works with um, who's the guy uh, that I said before the uh, da, 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 uh, the Garrison guy. Keeler guy, and oh, yeah. also he's uh, he's been on a whole bunch of different shows. He was the voice of the Sasquatch on Harry and the Hendersons. He's funny. And One of your you missed, my favorite shows. If yeah. you missed, yeah, if you missed it, uh, be sure and catch it. So that that uh, Fred will be with us uh, next week on the advertising show on a non-core presentation. Advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is a big radio midgets production. We will see you in two weeks.